in three, two, one. Branding is more than just your logo, slogan, product, or service. It's more than just a business card or a resume. So what is it then? To learn more about personal and professional branding and how to do it right is my guest, Joe Whitbread. Well, hi, Joe. Welcome to the program. Great to be here. Well, before we get into the meat of our program, our topic today, let's give our listeners a little bit of your background. You do a number of things that I find really interesting, and you started your social media business over a decade ago. Now, how did you get there from the background that you did have? Yeah, there's a lot of broadcast journalism on TV, radio, traditional channels. But as we all know, the new traditional channel is online. In fact, here we are with many of your listeners and viewers watching and seeing online channels. We still live in a traditional broadcast world, but we are broadcasting ourselves online. And so in the social media world, 10 years, which is the anniversary we will celebrate this fall, is an awful lot of time. When we think of 10 years in a business, it's not really that long. But in social media, in online, we like to say we're older than Snapchat. <laughs> we're older than the business sides of Facebook or Instagram. So we're very proud to be a pioneer in our industry. We certainly didn't invent Facebook, but we did invent a ability for business owners, small, medium, large, or corporations to have a reception desk, to have a salesperson, to have a contact with these complex and sophisticated channels. And that's what Joe social media does. Well, it's amazing. And like you say, in the last 10 years, when we see the evolution of social media, where it started from, it's just an extension. And it's that new media, that new modality of communication, right? Now you teach in your programs and in your work that branding is more than just your logo, personal branding. And our topic of personal branding, developing our social media presence is way more than just a logo or a slogan of products and services. And it's more than just a business card and a resume. If it's not those things, well, those things have to be included included in there, obviously, but what is it then? Our personal brand has always been on display, whether you're 50, 70, 102. Our personal brand is who we are, our reputation that sometimes precedes us, what others have heard about us, or in the case of an actual meeting or an opportunity or a relationship, business, platonic, romantic, our reputation is what evolves when right. we get to know someone. For the first time in history, through the past probably up to 15, 17 years, not much more, through channels of personal broadcast, we've been able to exponentially broadcast our brand or in simplistic terms, put our reputation ahead of actually meeting. We know through a pandemic or long distance or global relationships that we may never shake someone's hand or see them in the flesh, so to speak. And so it's through digital channels. And when we think about this, this is brand new to human species. We only right. have this opportunity through traditional channels. Her majesty just passed away. We're watching the coronation of the king. And we Typically, right. us peasants will never have the opportunity to be in those rooms or meet. Perhaps we might see in a parade or something. But for the most part, people like you and people like me aren't going to be in the company of the queen. And therefore, it's their presence or their personal brand that carries them. But unlike royalty, you and I also have personal brand. It's when we walk in the room. It's when we appear on podcasts. It's when we're visual online. And it's what precedes us in today's society. 
Well, there's no doubt when you're engaged in any new business opportunity, maybe a new venture, trying to raise money, maybe you're starting a new business, you're looking at hiring people or checking you out. They check you out online. So even if it's going for a recruitment process, you're going to look online. So whatever those channels are, and I do want to get into the channels and which ones apply best to different situations, but let's talk a little bit about what is personal branding and what it isn't. So personal branding, you've defined it well, beautifully there. It's putting ourselves ahead of the audience that might be looking at us. What is it? personal branding? There's not a lot that isn't anymore. When we open our mouths, when we put on or refuse to put on cologne, or when we come (laughs) from the gym, when we smell, when we look a certain way, there's a way that you and I both know it's not written anywhere, but you and I would both know how to dress appropriately for our best friend's wedding. It may be on a beach in sandals and shorts. It may be in a tuxedo. We have to realize that personal branding isn't written, but it is something that we don't have control over. So what personal branding isn't is a rule book. What personal branding is, is an unwritten rule book of etiquette and of circumstance. For example, if I was in a respectable industry, and many are, but something where a suit and tie or a dress and blouse were necessary, then it would make no sense for me to drive up to a meeting in a jalopy or a horse and cart or a motorcycle, perhaps, unless, of course, it was a motorcycle that matched not only my personal brand, but the brand of the lawyer's office, doctor's office, or respectable business I was representing. These are all personal brand assets, but you won't find a book in a library. You won't find these etiquettes and decorum items, just like you won't find how your buddy would expect you to appear on the beach at the wedding. You know, and if you show up differently than that, for example, in this hypothetical, you showed up at a a wedding that was of high decorum in a majestic church or steeple, if you showed up in sandals and shorts and you were the only one in the room, then there's also a personal brand. And I guess, Michael, what we're talking about is a judgment, Uh, a judgment that is either silent and we all have it. There's not one of us that doesn't have a bias that doesn't judge someone visually or by their smell or how they sound or their handicap in many cases, which we can get into. There's an unfortunate bias that goes with every personal brand. And we sometimes have to battle through that. And we're watching that with stereotypes in our society right now. Well, we see it everywhere. And and I think you make a great point. And whether you like it or not, it's whether you're paying attention to your brand because you have a personal brand, whether you like it or not. So, and we judge books by their cover, right? So when I look at you and if you're choosing not to do something because you've neglected it, that's your brand. That's how you're being judged. And unfortunately, we do live in a society that's that way. We look at gender, we look at color, and we look at all kinds of things. So we have to do it through our communication, I think. And that's where the advantages are of personal branding. So what would you say are the benefits of personal branding and why should we care? And you've already covered a few of those things, but how can it really help us in today's marketplace? Yeah, well, the first thing when we talk about the benefits of something like personal branding, which again is another societal buzzword, it's only become exponential and people like me appear on audio podcasts or visual platforms and talk about this. But let's be very clear, your personal brand exists, whether you need it to, want it to, or are endeavoring to progress it and evolve it or not. I want to be very clear, a child of six has a personal brand. They don't know anything about what we're talking about here or marketing in general, but their personal brand precedes them, how they look and they feel and they sound. Our personal brand for more professionals who are listening is always on display. 
you will misstep or make valuable evolutionary change. I'm through a journey right now in my life as a white, heterosexual, privileged male to start understanding what gave me those opportunities that others simply couldn't have. That is my journey and part of my vocalized personal brand. I'm recognizing it, hopefully, to bring along others who would agree or at least value that understanding. For others, they may be silent in a personal evolution or a change, and that's fine too. There are lots of people listening right now, unfortunately, who can't be themselves. Our society precludes it or certain circumstance in this world precludes it because of stereotypes or values that aren't accepted. Those are all elements of personal brand that many of us have to at least be conscious to. And hopefully the leaders amongst us will value so that we can make room at the podium, at microphones, online for exponential value for those less fortunate, marginalized, or without a voice in this area. So I know, for instance, from our perspective, and I know in your own, some of the benefits of personal branding help you get a steady stream of clients. I know you talk about that. You're keeping that pipeline full. You've got partnerships, leadership opportunities, greater mind share. That's always it. Are there things we should avoid from a personal branding point of view that can harm us? Absolutely. And that can't be a succinct answer from me on this podcast. Your personal brand needs pillars of strength or representation. No different, frankly, than the large corporations we're all familiar with. Right. They aren't willy-nilly on their Instagram at Coca-Cola. They have a very strategic plan on the pillar strengths, community relationships, and values or moral standards that the brand needs to possess. When we're talking about personal branding, we have to realize it's a broadcast, certainly, and we've mentioned that word today, but it's also a perception. And I really like to outline to any professional listeners that you, for the first time ever, if you're choosing to broadcast your brand on these channels, and many are, either strategically, like Coca-Cola might be, or accidentally on purpose. You're broadcasting your kids or first day of school. You have chosen to broadcast your brand. The perception or value of you as a parent is online, whether you meant to or not. Mm -hmm. And I know you meant to post it, but you didn't necessarily think of the sophisticated elements that we're talking about in a marketing perspective. So there are things that can damage your brand and there are things that can enhance your brand. For example, where I live in my part of Western Canada, unfortunately, the divorce rate is high. Men are off to work in industrial workplaces and aren't raising children. It's really a flashback to hundreds of years ago and something that I frankly think needs to change. We are witnessing also, and some of your listeners are, involved fathers. But for the most part, and through what has been hundreds of years of females raising or child rearing while men work, we're watching a change in that. But one of the elements of a personal brand in a professional industry that's enhancing online reputability and potential sales meetings and contracts, regardless of the industry you're in, is showing authentically, right. but in reality that you are an involved father. Well, it goes through your values and attributes as well. And how much do we share and how personal and how authentic do we get or transparent do we get? We don't want to show too much weakness, but as men, we think that way. We go, I don't want to show that or maybe a failure or where things were successful. Yet I think that can be a real positive when you can actually put out there, hey, here's where I had a failure and here's what I learned from it. And Absolutely. And the opposite is also true. We have to understand that women for the first time ever are able 
through broadcast channels that were never available to them before to have a voice of professional value. We're watching female CEOs. And frankly, they've always existed, not nearly enough as they should have, but we're watching them empower the next generation of young females. We're watching on-air news anchors on traditional channels grow a value in broadcast where you and I grew up watching suits and ties and men. And so we have to understand this isn't a gender conversation and it's not a woke conversation. What it is, is it's a human conversation that allows us to see why we talk about personal brand, why I'm even a guest on this show. This isn't about getting the next contract or making sure you're the most important person in the room. What this is about is changing a society's perception of the values that we want to put forward. And by the way, there are many companies, corporations, and people that still want it the way it was. So what I'm saying on this podcast and what others might say on this podcast is different. This is not a political statement or a woke perception. What this is, is the broadcast of our society. And we have the ability and leadership positions to grow that evolution, in my opinion. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring ActiveCampaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Joe Whitbread. How do we uncover or develop our personal brand? I went through a process about 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, actually longer now that I'm do the math on it. I'll give you an example. When I started my career as a professional speaker, one of the first exercises we did was to develop a brand character. What does that character look like? Well, at the time I was 35, but our brand character, he was a 40-year-old with Harley-Davidson motorcycles. He kind of had a bit of an attitude on purpose. We looked at everything, all the attributes of a character. And it was authentic. I was pretty much stereotyped, just younger in my parents. And now that I'm older, I've had to kind of change that again and evolve. Typically when I'm in a room, I'm the oldest guy in the room. So I don't wear a suit and tie anymore. I don't want to be somebody's dad. I roll up my sleeves and you can see a little tat showing. Sometimes I wear an earring and depending on my audience, but now my audience who are, you know, there's five generations of audience in there. They're looking at me going, okay, at least he's not my dad. I still sometimes come across that way, I'm sure. But so how do we uncover in today's world and develop our personal brand? Where's a good place to start? How do we look at where we're at? And then what's the gap? between maybe where we should be going? Yeah, fantastic question. And good for you. I think you clearly understand, and many of your listeners do as well, where and how we must evolve. The first thing they need to know before the beginning is that you cannot get it right with everybody. There will be people you cannot impress. There will be people who judge you inappropriately or not appropriate to the way you meant to get it across. This is where perception meets reality. We can only broadcast what we think we are or what we want to be perceived as, as succinctly as possible, but we will always have people who quote unquote hate. The haters going to hate, as Taylor Swift would say. But where we begin is in, first of all, this, in understanding that regardless of whether you want to or not, 
if you're choosing to go out in the world, unless you live in a cabin in the woods next to a beautiful babbling brook and billowing smoke next to the fire and you are offline completely, that is the only time, and that is almost impossible in today's world to be off grid. That's the only time you cannot worry about a personal brand because every other circumstance, every order you make, every online channel you participate in. And by the way, if you're not a social media person, you're using that chip on your credit card to do so. You have an online persona or at least a capitalistic persona because you've chosen to live in a capitalistic society, or maybe you haven't chosen, but that's the one you live in. And therefore, where we begin is understanding first, it is online. How I greet the pizza delivery person at my door is representative of his or her safety right now. If you approach at the door in the most undecorum or non-professional way, this is a pizza delivery person, 11 p.m. at night. But that is an opportunity for us to put forward a safety mechanism for another human. So the second component of that is empathy. We have to understand that as much as we want to broadcast for professional values, for the way that we see it, putting our hands on our hips defiantly and saying, we want it the way it was, this is how I was raised, that's all fine and dandy. But in front of you is a young person or someone from a marginalized community, or someone who doesn't look like you, or someone who doesn't walk. We have to understand that all of the other voices matter as much to our personification of who we want to be. So you can put your hands on your hips staunchly, and in the beginning, be you and only you. But I can promise you no opportunity lies in front of us if you're not going to be empathetic to those who will give you those opportunities. And then the third thing we have to do is come up with our brand pillars, what I like to call brand pillars. And by the way, the major corporations do this as well. If you are someone who wants to be seen as a volunteer, then volunteering is what you've always done, but broadcasting that volunteerism or community values is a brand pillar. Potentially you're involved in athletics or mathematics or academia of some sort, and that has become a brand pillar. If you're someone listening to this who's gone to university for many, many years, and you are hired or given opportunity based on that academic knowledge, then understanding that we as your followers or the people who have befriended you or just onlookers, bystanders, of generic capabilities, we would like to know that someone learned is learned. So broadcasting your learnings, either past, present, or future, what you're learning, how you learn, those are the brand evolutions that you need to be familiar with. So understand the pillars of your brand, what you'd like to be seen for is what we broadcast to our audience. Oh, that's well said. And, you know, it's interesting on the personal brand side, I've met professionals in our line of work and different work who publicly, when they're on stage or they're in an environment, they're like this amazing person. You're thinking, wow. And then I remember having lunch with a very famous speaker and author, major bestseller who writes on all these subjects and how he talked to the server and how when he was getting mic'd up for his performance, just the belligerent tone he took completely changed my whole perspective of him. And to your point, my wife and I, we talk about this all the time. We have amazing service. Everywhere we go, we get upgraded. We get extra desserts. They bring us things. Life is good. And people say, how come you guys get all these little perks? And I said, because we're really good customers. And the first thing we do when we're sitting down at a restaurant is, excuse me, what's your name? And I want to know, I'm talking to John or whatever their names are. And I go, hey, we're really happy to be here. We would love your recommendations when you have a chance when you come back. You understand that was best thing on the menu. We get amazing service. I'll board an airplane. I'll usually hit the lounge and grab some cookies, bring it to the flight crew. 
say, hey, they just came out fresh out of the oven. I'm sure you guys are on a turnaround. Here's something nice that I know you don't have. Well, every once in a while, I'll get the, oh, Mr. Vickers, your seat's ready for you. Or they'll drop a little bottle of wine off one of those little tiny mini bottles or two somewhere along the way. So it pays and it's good karma and it has to be part of your nature. So your personal brand, there's no shutting it off, I guess, is the point. It's a 24-7 thing. Yeah. And you're talking about etiquette too, which I strongly will always say belongs back. I wasn't alive when and stories I've heard involve childhood etiquette and classes of everything from the way that we move our bodies to the way that we use please and thank you. Many etiquettes have devolved as much as they've evolved. (laughs) And I think the large majority of your listening audience would agree, but you're right. You can't turn it off. Now, here's what's fascinating, Michael, is we turn to digital devices and broadcast channels that we own only before, if we were ever featured on a major broadcast news channel on radio or television or in the newspaper, an article written of us, were we able to quickly and succinctly translate in that tiny one column written about us or our business or the place that we work or our family values, were we able to offer our etiquette, our decorum, and what our reputation might be. Now we all have our own broadcast channels and many choose to use them on a very small or mute or disappearance level. And like you and I use them to lead and to broadcast to a larger audience. But now that we have that, there's a fine line, as you know, and an interesting topic of debate that I've had many times on showing a donation to charity on your channel versus actually just silently making a donation, right? right? Your example of treating somebody on a plane very kindly, and I understand you're absolutely right. That is an authentic value that you and your wife share, but you know, as well as I do, it gets you things and karma at the very least. So turning a camera on yourself to be nice to someone, filming it, broadcasting it to get views. Is there an authenticity still? I would argue there still is an authenticity and broadcasting it could or could not be received. It's diminished, I think. It's diminished. It's diminished, yeah. Yeah. And so we watch celebrities do this all the time. They are filmed. There are cameras everywhere. You and I don't have videographers following us around. So when we do something kind, it is invisible unless we choose to broadcast it. However, celebrities for years receive our adulation and frankly, many many sales in performance arts like music, downloads, other elements, because others are filming the kindness that they also. So I really think it's a fascinating conversation. It's absolutely a debate. We shouldn't be turning cameras on ourselves to make a donation to a homeless person. At the same time, we have to realize there is value to those among us paid millions of dollars as celebrities who do make a donation and are filmed doing it. And how do we replicate? We can't, or many would argue we can and shouldn't. Well, and that's where maybe a story comes in better. We can express it through a story instead of making it about me, 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 and look how wonderful we are because what we did. Let me tell you a story. I was this way, and I'm only telling you the story because there's a great point to it. And move on. But I'm certainly a believer in karma because it comes back really quickly and uh, typically anyway. I'm a big believer in philosophy. I read a lot of the Stoics and some of the wisdom and insights from 2,000 plus years ago. And it's as relevant today as it is back then. And they were broadcasting their messages And it's the same thing. It's about treating your fellow human how you want to be treated. 
and then create something that's fun and exciting. Be authentic, be real. And I think that's what matters versus putting on that image, that persona, that business persona. And then maybe you're one way at work, but you're another way at home. Marketing, when it was invented, I'll just quickly say marketing, when yeah. it was not invented, marketing has always existed. We just realized that we had benefits to actually diligently market as opposed to just be seen. But to your point, the way we're seen doing business should simply be what's broadcast to our channels. We all know that acting or dressing up or dressing down has become a component or part of that. Right. Uh, we watch prime ministers and presidents who make quite literally photo ops. It's become a part of our vernacular. That's a right. photo op is a chance to campaign or be seen in kindness or dressing down to what would be deemed the public or the peasantry of hundreds or thousands of years ago. So marketing is simply how we should proceed and under the assumption that we are being filmed, shot, publicly broadcast to channels. Everything's visible. Yeah. Everything's okay. visible. Yeah. And I agree with you, karma exists and we should, whether any camera ever caught us again, whether right. we were ever invited to a podcast again, we should proceed with what we believe are moral standards. And it makes us a good human being and it's knowing your values and it's being self-aware, I think, and what's important to you. Now we all have blind spots and we've kind of talked about that. How do I know if my personal brand needs some work? So I look at mine all the time. I'm constantly looking at it and changing. And it takes courage sometimes to make the change and to evolve. For instance, I was a suit guy, cufflink, flard, and a little pocket puff. And that was my uniform. And if I didn't have my uniform on, man, did I feel insecure. And the first time I gave a presentation wearing a dark pair of black jeans with a dress shirt, I felt naked. And now I refuse to wear a suit. So I'm going to something very formal if I'm going to do that. How do I know if it's time for an evolution? And I say evolution versus revolution. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. How do I evolve? Yeah, great, great question. And good on you. I really appreciate your perspective on this. The mirror is what you need to look in and impress first. Hmm. And by the way, I don't mean impress looking in the mirror going, I wonder if they'll like me wearing this. Right. The mirror and looking yourself in the pupils, and I'm sure many would admit, although never publicly that they've done this, I certainly have. I've looked myself in a mirror, a reflective surface, looked deep into my pupils and wondered if the person I'm trying to be, again, very hard, like you said, yeah. to understand our evolution. We have sentimentalities to the way we were raised, the way things were. We can have dislike or not condone some of the channels or existence of society norms that aren't normal for us. That's, by the way, happened in every generation. But if you can truly look and impress yourself in the mirror, again, not about what you're wearing, about your true identity and who you are when you leave that mirror out into the public, right. then your personal brand is what you need it to be. At the same time, I like to use the algorithmic equation of R plus C equals P. R is your reality. It exists. If you are alone in a field, your reality is you, right. that person yourself and your pupils. Your C is communication. When we communicate a reality, we do it in as much authenticity as possible, but none of us could tell the truth if we said we wouldn't leave the room for a wedding, a funeral, or a business meeting differently than our reality. We dress differently on a Sunday on vacation than we would in the most meaningful contractual obligated room. And so our reality has to shift or change. That's okay. That's a bit of an acting model for the stage. The audience dresses differently than the performers must. And then we have to understand that that P at the end of that equation is the perception. 
And so the value of perception is appropriate and important. There's not a marketing channel or a public corporation that doesn't go through this basic equation, that our reality is what we want to convey. We are a delicious or a stoic brand that exists and we want you to consume it, but we're going to communicate it in this way. I won't name them by name, but let's use a famous soft drink for over a hundred years. Over the years, they had to quickly realize they were an illicit drug. Then they became a reason for obesity. And so the way they communicate a reality has had to change. Otherwise they'd be communicating that they're an illicit drug or that they are the cause of high cholesterol and sugar. Their perception was the foundation of the equation. And so we have to do the exact same thing. We know who we are. We know what we are and the values that brought us to this point, whether privileged or not privileged. We know our battle and we know we want it one way, but the perception of all of that, and in today's world, that has never been clearer. The perception of a male or a heterosexual or somebody in power when women are being paid less in that power we have to change that perception. I believe we do. And as a leader in that community, I think it's our job to rebrand our personal brand to bring others up while still maintaining the place that we deserve to be. Yeah, and that's a good point and a good challenge. We know that women doing the same job are paid 18%, typically less than their male counterparts. And if we look at the boardrooms across North America, there just isn't the normal representation. And the problem on diversity, equity, and inclusion, the first thing that comes up is, well, what do you know about that? What do you know about diversity? And I go, well, first of all, I'm your problem. So I'm a white male, privileged, good education. I'm a baby boomer. We're under threat. And I'm not talking about me personally. I feel I'm highly evolved. I have five daughters who are very helpful and instructional in this process for me. So I'm everything I could learn about that. I grew up with a very strong businesswoman as a mother, and she was a best-selling author. My role models were always strong women. And so I'm very sensitive to that. And I've lived in communities where I was the minority, been around the world in different places. So I'm evolved, but I still have my biases. And it kind of bugs me because I'm going, oh, yeah, it's still a bias because it's the unconscious bias. We don't think about it. It's like if you're going to replace yourself within an organization, you're typically looking for someone just like you. And that's where I say the branding comes in. And I really like the way you expand it so it's all encompassing because it gets us to know somebody. When we get to know someone who's maybe not the same color as we are, or the same gender as we are, or the same political spectrum as we are, and we actually get to know them, well, then we realize, hey, we're all kind of in this boat together, right? Well, and you bring up a really great point. Thanks for sharing your story, by the way. And yeah, I, no I, I so appreciate and value your listeners who are allowing me to share mine. It does not mean, by the way, some of you are shaking your heads and rolling your eyes. Oh, another woke member of the media right, speaking. Right. I get that. I respect that. And yeah. to your point, isn't it a difficult place now where someone like me, a guest of your podcast is online expressing, certainly with an understanding that how I'm heard what comes out of my mouth will be deemed my reputation. This is the exact science behind the perception of my reality. My reality is real and I'm sharing it with you. And thank you for sharing yours as well. I think it's an important conversation and it does not mean that I'm extremely left or extremely right. Right. That's where we've come. And that is an unfortunate reality of 
professing specifically from a place of privilege, like we're speaking, which something I've identified, certainly I've won the lottery. I can walk, my eyes work. I can hear you right now. There's others listening, potentially, ironically, who can't. So they're using the values of closed captioning or they're not visual and can't see me right now. So we have to recognize that privilege. There is a reality also to where I've gotten and that I should be valued for the expertise and the knowledge. And I do think that that's a proper balance. The only thing that I know and have achieved because of my youth speaking and because of our value inside business rooms is I have the ability to move aside from the podium, to let the microphone go, to allow others who would never get invited to the same place and give them an ability, including my business partner, Joe, a female who is in charge of the business aspects of what we do. I owe it to males everywhere and females, obviously, to move aside and allow a new voice, but also share the podium. That's what true equality is. No, that makes sense. And I think the different channels of communication and broadcast channels allow us to do that. Should we have priorities when we look at our brand? So if we're identifying blind spots, are there top two or three priorities? Like start here first, then go to here, and then go to here. What would you recommend? Yeah, great, great one. So I always like to talk about the senses. There are only five, luckily. And for marketers everywhere, this is good news because you have to think about so much demographics and data and analytics and how to achieve. So we have to remember there's only five senses. Our job as marketers in the product or service that we're trying to help others consume, even when that's you, remember that you are the personal brand and you are sometimes also the product. Right. Understanding that you have to only achieve uh, perception in only five senses. We know what they are, in sight and sound and smell and taste and touch. Now, obviously, on the social channels, it's very difficult for a cinnamon bun producer to achieve smell or taste online. And so we use other values like emotional or heartstring advertising to make you want or see or trigger, trigger response. Yeah. yeah. But our personal brand, where we are trying to concentrate, again, not a simple answer on a podcast, but the ability for you to understand where your bread is buttered. Where is your demographic? Who is your audience? And ultimately, Michael, what we're talking about here is empathy. Understanding that while you can explain to somebody the ingredients listed on the back or the business acumen and the chance to tell people your cinnamon buns are in a thousand different places, those are valuable to brand if you decide. Those could be pillar structures of your brand marketing. But more importantly, it's how it tastes, how it feels, how it smells, right? And so if you're deciphering where your personal brand should begin, where you should evolve it, how you should complete it. Maybe you were in a different industry. Now you're in a new industry. Understand the empathy of the audience. This isn't about you. Our personal brand, ironically, isn't about us at all. It's about the perception that others want. So whether it's a product or service that you are selling that is part of your portfolio, understand that it's those that are consuming it that we have to impress. And we can use the five senses and emotional tie-ins and heartstring advertising to gain those consumers. And are you someone I want to talk to? Are you someone that's going to be of value to me? Otherwise, why do I want a relationship? with you or why am I going to follow you, right? Those are words like engagement or interaction. You can say all you want. None of it matters unless people are willing to engage. By the way, the more things change, the more they stay the same. While we know what engagement means as a buzzword on social media, it's the likes, it's the follows, it's the comments section. It has always been this way. Your store can open up with the most delicious ice cream on the planet. 
But if nobody shows up because you have a rude employee or the bathroom smells or the floor is never clean, your ice cream doesn't matter. And so it's not about us. It's about the entertainment value, the performance, the education, the information, and the brand itself that matters. And we can parlay that immediately into personal branding as well. Well, good point on the linkage and the alignment with the five senses as well. And Starbucks made a whole business employing five of those senses. You walk into a Starbucks, what's the lighting look like? That incandescent lighting, it looks good. It smells good, whatever you're having. It tastes good, whatever you're having, and it feels good. So the more senses we employ in a physical space, the better the experience. So what you're saying is if we can employ what we can in our own personal branding, it's going to create a better experience as well. How do we make them feel? How does our messaging, how are we coming across and how are we making our audience feel is critical. That's precisely it. Now let's talk a little bit about platforms because we've got different generations. We've got five different generations at play here and every platform has a different one. It seems like when Facebook first came out, everybody was on Facebook. That's now kind of where grandma and grandpa are. So we'll post there. Our kids are on Instagram. And so each channel works a little different. How do I determine which one's right? Yeah, absolutely. And that depends on the age that you're listening, the place that you're in, the demographic and the empathy that you're trying to gain. By the way, I'll correct you. Kids aren't on Instagram. Kids are vastly leaving Instagram. Yeah, we speak in schools. We've got the actual research from the horse's mouth. So I can tell you kids are leaving Instagram fast. They aren't joining Instagram new. And the number one reason why doesn't mean they're not there. Doesn't mean you don't have a child on Instagram right now with multiple channels. Absolutely. But the reason they're leaving is because we went there. Adults change the perspective of children online. By the way, we will see this very shortly and are starting to see this on channels like Snapchat. It is absolutely exploded among university, college, and teens and preteens, of course. Still very large. I don't want anyone to think black and white here. There right. will be people continue. But as moms and dads go to follow their teens around, I'll remind you of how you and I went to the school <laughs> dance. Yeah, we we wanted our mom or dad to drop us off a block and a half away. Exactly. We didn't want to be seen with yeah. our parents. And therefore, we have to understand this reality among preteens and teens. Anyway, besides all of that, the professional listening right now, and I say professional, someone in a a career or a place of business or professionalism, what I call your earning years, has uh, all kinds of opportunity on the channels they choose. Obviously, it goes without saying, if you're not using LinkedIn to professionally document your life right now, your professional life right now, very different than the social life that we're documenting on the other channels, then then I would highly recommend that you reach out to a LinkedIn professional like me or others, because LinkedIn isn't just a place, another place. It's not just a social platform. I always like to call LinkedIn the meat and potatoes, the Monday to Friday. The reason so many are ignoring it or neglecting it, frankly, is because it's not as fun as scrolling your TikTok. It's not dessert. It's not entertainment. Yeah, there's not there's not a person amongst us that wouldn't rather be entertained than go to work. Even if you love your job, Monday to Friday exists to earn. Saturday and Sunday, proverbially, exists to entertain and employ our social life. And so the socials have to be considered the same. What many professionals who are forward thinking and activate their personal brand online are doing is in their social channels, and we've seen this plenty in their Instagrams and their Facebooks and their Twitters and their now Be Reels, their Snapchats, their YouTubes, their YouTube Shorts, whatever it might be on the channel that you're willing to show off your reputation or your brand, forward thinking professionals are using them with a business acumen, or at least an earning years benefit. You mentioned resumes earlier, how they are submitted without numbers and names. We are watching, we are judging in a good way, the people, young and old, who we will do business with or create and forge relationships with. And the personal brand 
I will always say the more things change, the more they stay the same. This is simply a broadcast channel for what has always been activated. If you're a jerk in real life, and we know because three people have told us that you're a jerk in real life, your reputation precedes you. And social media is just an exponential version of that. We will know who you are before we ever work with you. And if we don't, we can easily explore it. And so your personal brand needs to be on display in the channel that best represents you socially with a business or business acumen perspective. I personally like LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn quite regularly. Have you got some advice around LinkedIn for professionals that is a good starting point? Absolutely. First thing you need to know is we are a visual culture. We are a curious culture. So while there are many amongst you like me who like to read paragraphs, stand out, you'd rather paragraph on how to fix your dishwasher than see a video. We understand there are two different kinds, but for the most part, we are a visual culture. You're watching cities and municipalities build bridges that are colorful, not concrete gray. There's a reason for that. It's just a bridge. It has an infrastructure ability and a need, but we're recognizing that our communities are more beautiful and that we engage in our downtowns when we beautify. Understand that that may seem foreign to the topic and the question that was just asked, but it's not. LinkedIn is a place of business or connection or social for many people or a combination of all, but beautifying it Making it engaging visually is important. So the very first advice that I give is no post should ever be made without photo stimulation. We do care for an aesthetic. By the way, a lot of the social channels have all changed. When I first joined Twitter 15 years ago, there was no photos. You couldn't actually upload. Then they realized that this micro-blogging platform needed visual engagement. That's why they were losing others. Do understand that these billion-dollar platforms also recognize the beautification necessary. So the first advice I give when on your LinkedIn, not only through the feed, But understanding that if you're purveying, if you're trying to sell yourself or the products and services you have, we need to see them and we need to see them aesthetically. I always like to say, I I don't force this upon anybody, but go ahead, put one against the other. We will choose photos. We will choose beauty. We will choose good grammar over poor grammar. So understand that beauty isn't just in photos or photo elements. Picture speaks a thousand words. So Yeah, picture speaks a thousand words. Again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So the first one is that. The second is make it pretty. And I know it sounds like the first, but I mean your profile, your bio. Make sure you've spell checked. We do this with resumes. We've been taught forever to make sure that the paper isn't crinkled, that the dog didn't eat it, and that the words are right. We have to do this for our channels as well. And that's more easy on a bio or a profile. You can make it look beautiful. You can make it something that stands out if we're lucky enough to get some click-throughs. But for the most part, every day when we're posting, we have to also ensure that our brand is best put forward. By the way, if you are from an industry that is more spoken like the commoner and you don't have to speak in a language of maybe you use emojis, maybe just maybe punctuation and capitalization isn't something preferred in your industry. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. Therefore, you have to speak that way because your brand is on display in that regard as well. So make it look pretty, make it beautiful, make us want to stop the scroll and make us, to your point, and a good one, make us want to engage and interact because if you don't, it's the algorithm that shows us your posts, not the timeline. You can decide to post at 3 p.m. on a Thursday because you read a blog somewhere that said that's the best time to post. doesn't matter. If you post at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday in Mountain Standard Time, only 
And I repeat, only the way that you can be seen is through the algorithmic advantage that your post displays. So it's interaction and engagement that makes a 3 a.m. post allow me to see it for three more weeks. So make your content last. And I think when it comes to photos, I think I read somewhere that you recommend use your own photos. Don't use stock photos. Use your own. They don't have to be perfect. Absolutely. I mean, we're looking for authenticity from the brands that we want to represent. I mean, we've grown up watching 30-second commercials, half-page ads. We know what every cereal box in the cereal box aisle at the grocery store. And if you don't know this, I'm sorry. I hope you're sitting down. I don't mean to shock you with reality. But the milk and the cereal you're seeing on those boxes have all been fabricated in many cases, milk in food photos is white glue because it photographs better. So understand that we've been marketed a false reality our whole lives. So it makes sense why we're going online to falsify our reality. When we talk about our receptionist at the front desk, we typically see stock imagery of a more diverse receptionist with the perfect equipment, the most up-to-date, but it's not our office at all. In fact, when you phone our office, that's not who you'd receive. So we have to understand that authenticity rules, especially among realtors or people who sell properties. (laughs) That's a good example. Don't over-glamorize. It's nice to glamorize them as well, but hey, we know your office doesn't look like that. So get real with it. Let's, Let's finish off. I think you call it the three C's when it comes to effective branding and personal branding. Yeah. So it's actually CCR for those 70s rock favorites. I love that. My wife's yeah, favorite band, yeah. Yeah, if you remember Creedence Clearwater Revival. Michael. So we use CCR actually. And so okay. CCR is in consistency, it's in creativity, and it's in relevance. Consistency makes sense. So you'd be amazed at how many brands go online for a little while, then disappear. I know many of your listeners can attest to the fact that it's hard. It's hard to maintain for 360 days a year. Yes, there's five more, but you have to remember your holidays and vacations and other things. So 300 days a year, you've got to broadcast your brand duplicate and multiple times. You have to get across these brand strategies. So consistency is key, not only in the way that you broadcast, but in the way that you look across channels. Your avatar should look the same on Insta as it should on LinkedIn if you're in a professional motivation, same as your business brand. Yeah, creativity is so essential on the channels. It's okay to go on the way you were, specifically for the audience listing in that 40 plus, 50 plus, 60 plus audience. The way that we used to speak sometimes, and you've alluded to it today, Michael, is not necessarily the way we need to speak, right? You talked about how you used to enter a room with cufflinks and a tie and a suit, and that was your uniform. Now we have to realize broadcasters on our traditional channels aren't wearing a tie. They might be wearing a jacket and a white shirt. But that creativity in the way we dress, understanding that a pocket square can have some value or that socks can look funky and fun because your daughter gave them to you on Christmas morning. These are all brand elements that we can put forward taking photos, videos, while in very professional situations. So creativity in our language, creativity in the way that we perform. And remember that performance is something we buy tickets for. I don't just say that in a reality right. world, but we are all buying tickets for performance, for athletics. So you as a brand will be better received if you perform. And the most and the hardest to understand is the R in the CCR, which is relevance. Understanding that today something relevant happened in our world or in your community. It might've been something very negative. You might've had an unfortunate school shooting. You may have had mm-hmm. a queen's funeral. You may be battling something that's way more relevant than your jewelry sale right now. You have a quota to meet right now. And so you take to a social platform saying what you want to say, but you might not realize that the highway nearest you is covered in snow or there's a rainstorm outside your business. And right now the social timeline is filled with weather 
And so your jewelry sale or what you need to purvey right now to meet your monthly quota is irrelevant. In fact, disrespectful while the queen right. is having a funeral. And right. so relevance is sometimes the hardest for business owners to represent because we always take to the channels for selfishness. We take to the channels for us. And relevance is understanding, again, that empathy that this is not about us right now. The timeline is about weather or it's about something that happened in our world and that we need to be relevant in that timeline. Oh, excellent point. I read somewhere that there's over 60 billion messages every day sent on digital platforms. So how do we stand out from the crowd? And I think to your point, relevance is the key and relevance content. When we create it, what's relevant to the moment, what's relevant to my avatar, to my audience and client base. Hey, well, Joe, you've been very generous with your time. Now the website is joewhitbread.com if they want to get hold of you. And I believe you offer complimentary consultations to businesses, organizations, if they want some advice. And I know you offer good services. If they want to come and connect with you on LinkedIn, you've got a great LinkedIn profile. Again, Joe Whitbread and your company is Joe Social Media Inc. And that's with your partner, Joe. So there's two of you and a male and a female. We'll have all the social links, everything for people to get hold of you in the show notes. This was lots of fun. So thank you for sharing your insights, your wisdom. And hopefully as we establish our own brands and grow our brands, our personal branding, that we can improve and increase in a positive way our presence on social media. So Joe, thank you again. Love your perspective. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.